On this week's episode, Netflix makes some big changes. Whose ending was better, The Mandalorian or Picard? And is the podcasting boom over? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or would do whatever you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source. Of course, Lakers fast break. And also, of course, our great friends at Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, Wizards and Wine, and everything that we do in the world of tabletop RPGs. I want to go ahead and make sure that you know that we do a lot of things for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture, plus popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without a good friend indeed. She is, ooh, she looks like the Borg Queen. Like I do a little her bit. Hair like that. Yeah, stroking her hair like in the darkness and shadows. Is that like wires trying to be hooked up on you so you could be assimilated right there for you? She is the Borg Queen of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today to try assimilate you into watching and experiencing and listening everything tabletop RPG action, including Wizards and Wine and Vampires and Vitae. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, I actually asked you this on the DM earlier this week, but I never got a response back. So I wanted to ask you over the air, is it okay if I borrow a couple of uh, episodes and take some of the great parts of what you're doing as far as in the world of tabletop RPG and make an episode out of it? Oh, God, yeah, please do. I already did on Monday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if you haven't checked it out yet, I already posted it on Monday for the Pop Culture Cosmos because I not only got Wizards and Wine, Vampires and Vitae, our first episode of the Vasin RPG, and of course our good friends at the Demolition Force. So go ahead and check it out today. It was a really good episode combining some of the great fun, the great laughter, the great storytelling. So go ahead and check it out today at the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcast. But we got a great show lined up for you today. We got a lot to talk about the season ending episode of The Mandalorian, plus also as well, the series ending for Star Trek Picard. Who is better, Star Trek or Star Wars? We'll talk about who ended their show better or did they end it pretty much the same way? We'll go ahead and talk about that. Plus also as well, is the podcasting boom over? I'll mention why, because I experienced the NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, here in Vegas convention here this past week. want to tell you about my time there and how I think that the broadcasting community is not exactly distancing itself from podcasting, but it sure is looking in that direction. And I'll explain why coming up later in the show. Plus also as well, the movie's coming out this week. Can any of them compete with Super Mario Brothers heading towards a billion dollars? We'll talk about that, plus all this other great stuff I've got lined up for you right here at the PCC Multiverse. But first, my friend, I wanted to ask you this. When it comes to what we're seeing with The Mandalorian and the season-ending episode of Picard, which is actually a series ending, your thoughts, I know you've got a chance to finish... What was going on with Picard? A very nostalgic every episode adventure was very much down nostalgic lane with P. 
people reappearing from the actual original series. Hint, hint. I will just say that. Also as well, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, everybody except for Enterprise. Enterprise is like the, the, the I don't know, just the black sheep of <laughs> the Star Trek family because that series seems to get no love at all. So I want to hear your thoughts, though, on the ending of Star Trek Picard. I thought with both this and The Mandalorian, there was a little bit of lazy writing as far as how they got there. But still, despite that, very fun, very reminiscent, and I think both went to the school of the Return of the Jedi on how to end your your series and or, you know, I guess trilogies or series or whatever you want to say, but they both went to the school of the Return of the Jedi and how they dealt with the endings of their seasons and or series. Your thoughts, though, on Star Trek Picard and the end, supposed end of an era until you get to the after credits. I am not going to lie. When Worf was finally brought in, I got a little emotional. Reminded me of season one when you finally got to see Picard back in the Star Trek, the Starfleet come uniform. Back, come back, come uh, God, so good, so great. Michael Dorn, what a what a credit to the series that guy is. I don't know. It, for me, it was just uh, it was hit after hit after hit. I didn't really see a whole lot of misses. You know there obviously were some problems which i think there would be in something that's only going to be eight episodes long um you know i, I think that in order to really it's actually it's actually i think 10 yeah but i i think if you're really going to you know deep dive into some of the stuff that they were trying to deep dive into you had to give it more time uh, you know, to to wrap up the changeling stuff properly, to bring the Borg back and and ex- do a little bit more explaining of it, other than Picard's DNA carried Lacutus's DNA that gave the Borg access, all of that kind of stuff. Hashtag spoiler alert. I think that all things considered, and uh, looking at some of the uh, the the problems. I was satisfied as a Star Trek fan uh, watching it. I, I, I thought was... it was good. I, I thought it was good. Don't get me wrong. I thought, that, again, a little lazy writing on both of these series parts. Sure. You know, um... uh, But still, I thought overall it was fun. It was nostalgic, especially on Star Trek Picard's part. And I, I really enjoyed that fact. But uh, I really thought it started off really, really good and kind of ended on some very safe, Absolutely. With all of when through all of the changeling stuff that was happening, uh, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I wonder what the Borg are doing. I'm not kidding. And through the whole thing. So the fact that they like clumsily kind of crammed the Borg in at the end, I think may have been an amount of fan service. It was yeah. such a major part in the Picard story arc. That, and I get that. Yeah, you you had to bring them back around for the very end. You couldn't it's just like, not. It, it, it was like seven or eight episodes of greatness and then yeah. two episodes of nostalgia that was like a little bit over nostalgia, per se. The nostalgia in the previous eight episodes was used brilliantly. Right. And then, like you said, as the Dominion changeling part of this, the equation evolved into the Borg Let's go to the Borg again. But I, I understand why you tie it in because of the you know way it was tied in from 35 years ago and how this you know it's just all comes back full circle. And finally we can go ahead. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to Star Trek, please. And outside of maybe you can do a lower decks gig because it's animated and it's you know pretty much you can get away with it for laughs. Please end the Borg for like a decade. Don't touch the Borg for like 10, 20 years. I would absolutely just love you just to not do the Borg again. I'm done with the Borg. They're such a brilliant bad guy, though. Like, they're a brilliant bad guy. But after the way they kind of use the Borg in different ways in season one and two, especially mm-hmm. two, you know, and how they didn't even acknowledge that in season three, you know, so it makes you think that it was a waste of time for you to watch seasons one and two, pretty much the most part. You know, that's that's how good season three was for me as opposed to one and two. And it just, it, you know, the Borg is just like this fallback for writers at Star Trek. Oh, let's go do the Borg. We're, we're here stuck it against the, 
you know, the, a wall gets as far as, the, uh, you know, a writer's block. Let's go ahead and do the Borg. Do the Borg. This, I guess, you could get away with it because, again, it's the cutest and Picard wrapping it all up after 35 years. But after this, it's good. It's okay. But I'm done with the Borg. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair. I think that they're always going to kind of be in the wheelhouse of Star Trek. And I think that, you know, I understand they're not using them for 10 or 20 years or, or whatever, but I, I just think that they're going to be the, the quintessential villain, just like the Romulans, you know, just like the Klingons were at one point. Who knows? We may end up with more of the Borg being involved in Starfleet at some point. Who knows? In space, why can't we create new? Well, that's why the Dominion was so great because they hadn't been used in, in 25 plus years. That's why I thought it was such a great move to in, involve them. And then at the very end, you see a possible new series that's been created. And who helps recreate that is, is Q. I love Q, don't get me wrong, but Q, you should have left alone. You've already finished him on season two. Then you want to bring him back in the ending credits for season three. I thought that was just, again, just something like, let's just move on. You could take this great way to start a new, fresh series and just disassociate itself or just distance itself to make its own identity. And it's just like, ooh, you have to go and bring back Q to, for this. I thought Q was dead. Q said he was dying throughout season two. Let's just disregard all that as well. Oh, hush. If we are going to see a series that follows Picard's son and his journey through Starfleet on the Enterprise G. You're still um, going to have remnants. I get it. But to have of course. Q. Well, I, you need something to slingshot the, the story and, and propel it into something. And I think that it's a great way to begin a series with the problem of Q. And just like we saw, saw with The Next Generation, Q is going to come in and out for as long as the actor is alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a yeah, thing. And John Delancey is brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But he was supposed to have died. You're literally just wiping away the first two seasons as far as, it's you know. A, it's a cue. For three. all we know, the cue dying could just be, I'm really tired and need to have a nap because he's he so said gosh he was dying. He said he was dying. And like, they showed I... his death at the end of season two. <laughs> I've been so tired. I have said, I think I'm dying. I am that tired. So perhaps that's all that was actually going on with Q. Come okay. on. So he just needed to spend some time laying down on the couch. Yeah, just having TV. a nap. Yeah, okay. just watching some old reruns of some Next Generation okay. goodness. <laughs> all right. But uh, again, I'm hoping that if they do decide to make a series out of whatever the left of the remnants of Star Trek Picard, I hope so. I would like the characters that, that would be a part of it. But we'll see what happens there. But it is Star Trek Picard Season 3. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Before we hit the break, my friend, it is Star Wars the Mandalorian, which saw the Mandalorians, whatever was there available to go ahead and fight the Empire, who actually had a secret base inside Mandalore all this time, with Moff Gideon leading the way, coming back with his new Beskar armor and his new Beskar soldiers ready to go ahead and help him out, and the stormtroopers that were there, and the Praetorian Guard that were also very menacing as well, led up to a battle between the Mandalorians and the Empire with the Mandalorians succeeding. It looked like at some time that uh, our good friend, uh, the Mandalorian himself, was going to get... Uh, but, of course, he he's saved by Grogu in a very, again, lazy writing thing where he automatically just appears out of nowhere to save the Mandalorian when it was assumed he was going to be with the other Mandalorians on the other side of the base. But I guess, you know what? Hey, got to go ahead and have that lazy writing there. Can't figure out another way to save the Mandalorian. But they tried to nix or get rid of the cloning storyline all in one thing at the very end there. And then obviously it leads into Mandalorians regaining their home world for a good, happy ending and then the Mandalorian flies off to his new home, 
where he and Grogu are just chilling. He has taken him as his son, officially, in the eyes of Mandalore. Even though Grogu still can't speak basic, he still can't be able to recite the words and take the oath of the Mandalorian. He's still now considered a son of the Mandalorian. And then you see a happy little ending for them. But the only thing I didn't really like about the, the Star Wars The Mandalorian was, okay, you title it The Return. And yes, it's the return of the Mandalorians to their planet. But I was also hoping for a return of Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's going to be a major part of the Ahsoka, major part of the heir right. to the Empire movie that's going to eventually come out that's going to tie in the Dave Filoni-verse, as I'm going to call it right now. I would have loved for him to be in the last part of that episode or somehow tie into the the spy and the cloning doctor, which were just, you know, that, that was part of a, a, an episode. That was almost a full episode in the season of The Mandalorian, and they just completely almost written them out at the very end. But outside of that, again, Grand Admiral Thrawn could have made an appearance, made it that much better, but solid. Again, very solid, very Return of the Jedi-ish, as we saw, got those vibes again. It's funny because I watched one, got that vibes from Return of the Jedi, watched Picard, got those vibes again, Return of the Jedi. It was all very Return of the Jedi-ish on both accounts, but it was pretty good. It was all right for what it was. Yeah, it really, it's a, a couple of, I think, anyway, this season of Mandalorian, uh, this season of Picard, I think uh, they're both uh, they're both worth your time if you haven't watched either. Um, but, can... Yeah, it's The Mandalorian is not as good as season two, and I think a lot of people are upset with that. I thought it was okay uh, uh, for what it was. I know that a lot of people are not liking the fact that it focused on the Mandalorians as a race regaining their homeworld and not on the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. Yes, Grogu, because an entire, just, you know, group of people getting their planet and their home back is terrible and not a good story to tell at all. Come on. I didn't I didn't mind it. I and there was no, a couple of, of side there was a couple of side filler episodes, the Jack Black episode, which again was a pretty much a filler episode. It was fun. It was right for what it was, but again, mm -hmm. it's a filler episode. Plus the the spies where you meet the the spy for uh, Moff Gideon. And, it, and then also what happened to the cloning doctor, what happened to him. That was a whole episode that was just, again, pushed to the side with no other meaning or recalling to it very much at all for the rest of the series or rest of the se rest of the season. So, again, I'm hoping they'll, they'll revisit that down the line. They probably will. But for now, the Mandalorian's just chilling in his new home. And that's, I guess, the way the season three ends without uh, a arrival of Moff Gideon, excuse me, without a arrival of Grand Admiral Thrawn or any of that good stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. just chilling. Just yeah, chilling. That's sometimes you got to give a man a break. Absolutely. You know, Grogu's playing with frogs, playing with his food there. So, yep. Yeah. All's well that ends well for both Star Trek Picard and Star Wars The Mandalorian. Everybody's got that shiny, happy feeling like they did from Return of the Jedi. But I will say, though, they both are good, not great endings to what both had, I thought, was pretty good seasons, uh, especially in Star Trek Picard's case, was really, really good uh, about halfway through leading into the final episodes where it kind of got, you know, nostalgic, over nostalgic, maybe a little bit too nostalgic. But, you know, what? for the most part, both are really good. I, I recommend them both. Uh, and we'll see what happens there with, with the actually the offshoot of another Star Trek series. I mean, before we head to the break, I mean, we've heard a lot about the, the go-ahead for Michelle Yeoh. Huh, funny, winning an Academy Award. Greenlight a movie for for Paramount Plus for Section 31. What do you know? So I'm assuming that a new series after Star Trek Fleet Academy has started, Star Trek Discovery ends. I believe that I'm sure that this Picard offshoot will happen as well. Yeah, I hope so, because I, I enjoyed the character. I liked the actor. And um, yeah, I, I'm... I was left wanting to know a little bit more about his story. So I think that uh, it'll be pretty great. And plus by uh, having him uh, himself in a new series, it gives you opportunities to maybe see Beverly Crusher once in a while. You may see, um, you know, uh, number one, every once in a while, you may see Worf every once in a while. So that, that could be something that they carry forward into uh, a new season, a new sorry, a new series. Um, but, you know, if they were going to do that, I would keep it to like the first season. I wouldn't, you know, want to kind of keep dragging these old characters back time and time and time again. I think that 
Uh, if you're going to dabble in that, you dabble in it in the first season. Shh. I want to just let you know they're already doing it. They've been doing it. They're going to keep on doing it. <laughs> well, I'm not mad about it. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not mad. So. Q was dead. I just want to let you know. It's a Q. You never know what's going on. They could all look the same. We don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go there. All right. <laughs> but whatever your thoughts are on Star Trek Picard Season 3 and whatever your thoughts are on Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 3, please let us know which Season 3 was better. Did you like them both? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the half-hour break, my friend, I wanted to hit you up on Netflix which reported gaining almost 2 million subscribers. That's okay. Why not? They'll take a plus at this point in time. They did talk about the password sharing crackdown coming very, very soon, my friend. I and thought it's already been enacted. Well, they said they're going to go with it in North America really, really soon. Also, a major milestone has been ended as Netflix has decided to discontinue it's revolutionary DVD by mail option. So they will no longer as of this year, so later this year, they're going to cancel it, but they will be ending that part of their business after all these years, after redefining an industry, after basically being the cause of the demise of Blockbuster and Hollywood video here in the United States, and then leading to Netflix becoming a streaming outlet. And then we all know what happened from there. Your thoughts on the ending of an era with DVD mailing being no longer afforded or available by the end of the year by Netflix. Yeah, I had no idea they were still sending DVDs out at the mail, and I didn't think that people were still watching DVDs. So... Perhaps it's a little bit of snobbery on my part. I don't know. But, but you know, I, I suppose, though, there are still places that are hard to get internet. So that could uh, frustrate some folks um, and, and things like that, perhaps, is why they held on to the service for this long. Um, but maybe they're seeing enough of a spread of the internet into some of those places that uh, it just does, doesn't make logical sense for them anymore. Well, I do want to mention that their recent uh, announcements of the increase in global subscribers by 1.75 million was for this first quarter of 2023. They that which actually to me is a positive because again the selections on Netflix for this first quarter were not, I think, at the level of previous quarters of many of Netflix offerings for the past five years. But hey, if they were able to do that with a lesser quality or lesser amount of quality movies and television series, more power to them. They're now 232 and a half million subscribers strong, which is an outstanding number for them. So, hey, with all that going on, they also announced that their burgeoning games end as far as, you know, that right now you could go ahead and play mobile games, but they are, getting more into the console side of it with the announcement that a Halo uh, executive director, actually uh, the Halo boss, Joseph Statton from 343 Studios, he is jumping to Netflix to jumpstart a AAA franchise for them. Your thoughts on this? We've seen entities in the past five, seven years dabble into the major console market, whether it's trying to make a new console of their own with Google and we saw how that went with Stadia. And then also as well, Amazon tried to make AAA games uh, you know, via the console and PC market. And that has, you know, I think the two first two games that they brought out were absolutely horrendously viewed. And I think that they've been very quiet and, and mull on exactly their future going forward. So it hasn't really worked out. I still think there's a place for another big market company to go ahead and bring in a new side of this industry whether it's a game or a console but your thoughts on netflix getting more involved in the video game industry i don't know if for some reason it, it does feel like a, a step in progression for netflix as a company uh to just go from you know television and movie entertainment into gaming entertainment as well i think it, it does make sense i think if they're going to do it they have to make sure that they're stepping into the arena the absolute correct way as you said we've seen examples of people doing it incorrectly so 
hopefully uh, they're kind of learning and looking at those mistakes and not trying to repeat them uh, straight out of the gate. Well, to me, I'm hoping that they'll understand where Google and Amazon have made their mistakes. Yes. And just bringing in a big name from a company, 343, that has actually had mixed results with the Halo franchise in the past decade. We have seen some highs and some lows from Halo since Bungie left the Halo franchise and turned it over from 343. So it's not exactly, you know, so like, let's say Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog left to go to Netflix. I'm just saying that as a, as a what if. That would be a huge get and do you understand that he's got this huge backlog of success already in the past 15 years of what's gone in the video game world for him and Naughty Dog. I would get that and think that would be really just like a no-brainer as far as success is concerned. This is something I think with 343 and their checkered past since gaining the Halo franchise and since Microsoft created 343, I'm not as sold on a Netflix future for a AAA game. Again, it all depends on how smart, how they go into it, and how many, uh, how much they learn from the mistakes of Amazon and Google and understanding what the AAA gaming sphere is actually like. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, as I said, any mistakes, mistakes that, uh, you know, any of those uh, Amazon or, um, sorry, Google uh, made into the space, uh, I'm sure that they have looked at that and have taken notes. And I'm sure that they have had uh, numerous consultants in to look at it and break down what went wrong and where they went wrong and what could have been done to right the ship and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they are doing their homework. I just hope that it turns out, you know, to be a, a positive result for them. Because Amazon could have done the same thing with Netflix as, okay, they bring out a AAA game. If it's good or has a backstory, they create TV series, movies with it because they all could have done Google even with Stadia. If they 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 had AAA studios making games specifically for Stadia that they eventually canceled because they didn't like the initial returns. So they got cold feet and they stepped out of the water and just canceled Stadia altogether. And then you had, like I said, with Amazon, two bad games of a expenditory nature where they were just spending a whole bunch of cash at it, but they didn't really have a grasp on exactly what making a good game is all about. So uh, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I mean, you know, I know they're burgeoning uh, on the mobile game side of it. I'm not sure that that's always a necessity or that's always a, a no brainer or it's always a done deal that just because you make some good mobile games, automatically means you're going to make a good AAA games because the budget and and the reaction and the anticipation and just the the level of expectations you have increases tremendously the more dollars you put into these games. Yeah, if you're looking at like mobile games as like ground level when you start getting into console games and stuff like that, like you're up in the stratosphere in terms of expectation. So, yeah, but you know, we we know that Netflix, they're not a bunch of dummies there and I'm sure that that's all stuff that they've taken into consideration. That's true, but it seems like a part of the legacy is going to end with DVD by mail. Uh, that part of their business is going to be ending by the end of this year, which is going to be, uh, again, basing off nostalgia, like we talked before, going to be a very nostalgic end for some. But you know what? It did its job. It got rid of its main competitors. When Remember the old story that Netflix was begging Blockbuster to buy them out, and Blockbuster laughed at them, and who had the last laugh since? Yeah, there it is, right? I think the ultimate blow was the canceling, very quick cancellation of the blockbuster sitcom show. So I thought that was just <laughs> the ultimate, just we got you, we got you payback and all that. But yes, the DVD will be ending by mail for Netflix. But after 232 and a half million subscribers, you know, I can see why they're focusing on other aspects of their business and seeing what they can do within the video game space as well. So very interesting things from Netflix. Your thoughts on Netflix's latest numbers, their entry into AAA gaming, and the end of the DVD 
by mail business. Your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go. Seems like it's just gone by just like that so far. Your thoughts, though, on this weekend's movies? We see Super Mario Brothers is now going to be a billion-dollar movie. I have no doubt about that now. It's already over $700 million, and it's going only its third weekend as it heads towards that magical number. Probably headed probably about the next seven to ten days. Your thoughts, though, when it comes to The Covenant, which is another Guy Ritchie film. He's already had two come out this year, which is you know a lot for a director. Evil Dead Rise, which tries to go ahead and continue on the Evil Dead legacy that was reborn again in the last decade. Plus also Joaquin Phoenix, who is having a very, very good performance again by one of the best actors in the world in Bo is Afraid. Your thoughts on these three movies and if they could do any damage comparatively speaking to Super Mario Brothers at the box office. I really do think that Super Mario Brothers has, I think, two more weekends before things start to peter off a little bit. Like you, I think we'll see two more good weekends, strong weekends, before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 hits on May the 5th. So we'll see what happens there. But it is very interesting mix at the box office this weekend. I still think Super Mario Brothers, like Melinda, has another good couple weeks in it, maybe even more. We'll see what happens. But what are your thoughts on this weekend's box office offerings with The Covenant, Evil Dead Rise, and Bo is Afraid? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on a couple games that have released this week, one of which is 10 years in the making, the (laughs) other which is 10 years plus after its great predecessor. And the first one we'll go ahead and touch on is Dead Island 2, which was originally announced 10 years ago with an actually very, very cool and funny trailer. A lot of people were really excited at the time it was debuting, I think at E3 2013, if I'm not mistaken. But a lot of people were excited for the zombie genre was still somewhat fresh at that point in time. It hadn't been done to death. I mean, The Walking Dead was still earning massive ratings on TV. Mm -hmm. A lot of people still had great feelings for Left 4 Dead 2, which was still at that time being played religiously. There was still a a lot of good zombie movies, TV shows, and video games on the way. Ten years later, the zombie genre has been done to death. Yes, that was a pun. So I ask you, my friend, Dead Island 2 has come out decent reviews. It's considered very funny as it's a new telling of a zombie apocalypse hitting the Los Angeles market. Your thoughts on Dead Island 2? Is it too little, too late for this zombie killer? I think the zombie video games, just like zombie movies, are always going to find their niche. And if this one is focusing more on like a, a comedic side of, of what a zombie apocalypse would look like, then, you know, that's a that's a different take than what we normally see. Usually it's it's deep and it's well, it doesn't necessarily be deep, but it's definitely dark, definitely twisted. So you're going to bring a, a particular brand of dark humor to that. I will check out the game. I'm not very picky on the gameplay if it's something that i just go ahead slash and chew yeah you know just get the zombies one after another i'm okay with that i still for me the best zombie game of all time that i've ever played is left for dead left for dead 2 just because of the frenetic pace and the fact that you could be disoriented if you're not doing the right thing at the right time very easily and you could just basically be running for your life and have that feeling almost like that you have zombies right behind you running after you and that feeling it's i think i've never been able to quite recreate that with any other zombie game but still be that as it may i think this might be okay depending on whether or not you want to pay usually what it comes out at 70 dollars for a triple a game these days 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you're if you are at a gap right now in your gameplay where you're waiting for Diablo Four to come out, for example, and you just want something to get you through the next couple of months, maybe you're a little bit tired of what you have in your in your uh, repertoire, then yeah, I could see this one being picked up by folks and and played for a little while until you know the next big one comes. We'll see what happens, but I think that whatever it does it's probably going to be nowhere near what a game that's been 10 years in yeah. development basically should have done because when you have a game that's 10 years in the making like that you are expecting huge numbers and i don't think it's going to get it because of what's come before that people are still playing and like what's coming up what we just talked about with diablo 4 true story yeah and uh i mean yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on with Diablo 4 I'm pretty excited about. So, um, you know. And that, another playtest, I guess, is coming next month. Yeah, middle of May, thereabouts. Uh, the information uh, just came out uh, earlier today, I believe. And it's really, it's not a, like an open beta test so much. It's going to be like the same kind of content that you saw during the open beta weekend. But this one is more of like a, a straight up stress test on the servers. So they're like, we need as many people as possible to log on and, and play Diablo 4. And I was like, okay, if you're going to invite me, I guess I'd better go play. So... It's uh, coming up May 12th to May 14th, just to let you know. Yeah, perfect. Middle of May. So uh, that works out great. And uh, I will definitely be on there. So if you see Waiting Teapot, that's me. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Maybe there's some cross-play involved. I'm not sure if that's available as of yet. So we'll have to go ahead and find out. Come the Diablo 4 beta extended play test that's going to come in May 12th to May 14th. But again... With that, Starfield and the other games are going to be announced here in the not-too-distant future. Since there's no E3, all these other companies are going to do it by themselves. But you know there's going to still be a lot of games that are going to be coming out this year. Zelda, for instance, they dropped a final trailer for its, its impending release. So all these other games are getting in the way of Dead Island 2 success, I think. And that yeah. ultimately will be a game that's going to be classified as just another zombie game. And actually probably be even less thought of, even though it might be thought of as an okay game, it might be less thought of simply because of the fact it took 10 years to get to consoles. Yeah, I wonder if the people who were excited 10 years ago about the, the game's announcement, I wonder if they're probably interested. Not. Yeah, that's probably interesting. Not. I mean, there's it's so something... many games like... There's so yeah, many I'm games trying. that come out. Dying Light... Remember, Dying Light 1 and 2 have both come out since then. True. Then you have World War Z, and then you have yeah, you have all these other zombie games that have filled that that void mm. since the announcement. Killing Floor, that was a yeah. good one. Yeah, so all these other zombie-like games that have come out since since then have filled the void that wasn't going to be filled for ten years by Dead Island Two. I don't think there's a chance that Dead Island Two will actually really corner the market and i think it's just going to fade away just like so many other these video games that have really taken too long to be released well maybe they're anticipating that and perhaps the price point will be a little sweeter because of that who knows uh, i'm sure it'll probably be a bargain deal come black friday yeah <laughs> in six months so if you're willing to wait six months it might be just the game for you to get but we'll see but once again it's dead island 2 but before we hit the break my friend Minecraft Legends, which is considered the sequel to the much-beloved Minecraft, which has been one of the most amazing, most creative, most interesting, most accessible video games for all ages this century, and has been an achievement in video gaming that very few others have reached. Let's right. just put it that way. Uh, you know, played on all platforms virtually by hundreds of millions of players worldwide over the course of the past decade plus your thoughts on what minecraft legends needs or can do to expand beyond that as far as creating a even better situation for the next hopefully 10 more years of great Minecraft legends. My problem with Minecraft is that I was never really creative enough to I'm I'm yeah. smashing my rocks. <laughs> yes. I so really well, the the part of the game that I found fun was finding a section of the of like a mountain and glass walling it in and then just building stairs until you got to the very bottom. Um so as long as building stairs is still easy, 
I'm happy with that. But like, you know, like I said, I'm certainly not a, a diehard Minecraft player by any means. It's always great when a new product for an IP that you love is released. So, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled for Minecraft fans. I know quite a few of them. So uh, I'll be checking in with them to see what their thoughts are for sure. I'm hoping it's going to be a, you know, the same level of a drum. It's really hard though. I mean, you have a base game that came out and it just absolutely thrilled hundreds of millions of players over the yeah. course of the past decade of all ages. It's a game where if my daughters were, let's say six and seven were interested into it, I, I would mind them playing it because it's something that I think that they can play. And I feel safe in that environment as long as I'm monitoring what the, what they're doing as far as they're not involving themselves with other people that are, are have nefarious you know, ideals, I would have been okay with that as far as it's concerned, you know, because, uh, you know, like I said, the world of Minecraft allows you to explore and create that type of environment, which is really kind of fun. And it, it's not the always uh, shoot them up, uh, let's go ahead and kill everything in sight type of deal. It doesn't have to be like that. So Minecraft has been oh so much more than just your standard video game experience. And I, I really appreciate it for what it was. And it's going to be heralded for quite some time as one of the most important and one of the most influential video games of the century. Yeah, I agree. There's no question about its impact and, and things like that. And it's definitely... There's been more than one Christmas where the majority of the gifts under the tree were Minecraft for my nephew. He has graduated now up to, uh, it's right there. I want to say Hero Forge, but it's not it. That's making minis. No, in are you talking, uh, which one are you talking about? Uh, Apex Legends? No, the other one. Come are on. You, you drop parachute in to the little island and then the, the force field closes on you. Come on, come on, come on. It's right there. <laughs> That's so funny. It's a free game, free game. You can, it's microtransactions in game to buy new skins and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, when a season ends, they kind of blow the world up and then start. I, I'm new. letting you, I already know the answer, but I'm letting you go ahead and say. Yeah, no, I'm not going to get to it. I'm not going to get to it. Everything else about the game is there except for the title of the game. Oh, come on. You've got to know what that no, is. No, I, I, of course I know what it is. It's just not in my brain right now. Uh, oh my uh, God. I know. It's absolutely terrible. <sighs> yeah, no, it's gone. I, I have no idea. Oh, no, I can't believe this. I thought we were friends. I know, no. I know. And we are, but... You can do it. I nope. believe in you. It's not there. It's not there. No. No? No. I don't want to. I don't want to say it because I know you're going to be very, very upset with me. Well, no, please do, please do. I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm going to. I'm upset with myself for not remembering because it's so silly, so silly. Oh, you're going to be mad. I'm so mad. I'm mad already. No, you're really going to be mad. Yeah. You're going to be really mad. I know. I know. Before I get to that, then, and really, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave you in suspense a little bit more. Uh... What are your thoughts out there on? Of course, Minecraft Legends and also Dead Island 2. Please let us know, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. All right, fine. I'll tell you. Fortnite. Gosh. Yes, thank you. Okay. Fortnite. I knew there was an F involved. Okay. Yeah, that's not the F you probably have in mind right yeah. now. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, uh, I do want to cover one series that's already now talked about as being greenlit and another series uh, that I'm not sure you would love to hear that's being greenlit 
greenlit, but I knew it was pretty obvious. The first is a very fun one, a cult hit that I absolutely love. I think it's a great story, and it was a great, at that time, parody of Star Trek, which in, became itself a very good movie with some very fine actors all embracing their roles awesomely. And that was Galaxy Quest. Yeah. And if you're familiar with Galaxy Quest, it is really a fun movie. And I don't know anybody who has any type of bad or ill will towards it. I really, everybody I've, I've heard talk about it speaks glowingly of it. And so if you haven't checked it out yet, please try to find it and seek it out as far as watching it on streaming in some format, because it is worth your time. Well, this Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell, great cast all around. This movie has now evolved after much deliberation. There was talk about in the mid uh, 2010s, there was talk about maybe doing a movie, a revival movie. But the, uh, Alan Rickman, unfortunately, who played the Spock-like character in Galaxy Quest, he passed away, unfortunately. So that kind of put everything kind of hauled on it. But it looks now that Paramount actually is going to go through with a series on Galaxy Quest. Your thoughts on this, uh, to me, very momentous, very fun way of doing it. Because you got to remember, it's a parody of Star Trek. And actually, in the movie, it was originally a TV, TV series show. Yeah. in and of itself. So your mm -hmm. thoughts on a Galaxy Quest TV series? Uh, I hope it's as cheeky as the movie was. And I hope that they keep uh, the feeling of that movie uh, through the TV series. I'm trying to say I hope they don't try to take themselves too seriously. You know, like we we already have uh, sci-fi shows that do that. We don't need more of those because they do them and they do them very, very well. We need one that comes in, is completely tongue in cheek, a little sarcastic, give us a, the right amount of satire. And uh, yeah, let's let's see that. I'm excited for that kind of show. Since it's Paramount owned, what do you think the odds are that Star Trek Picard and the way the fact that it's so funny because I, I saw Star Trek Picard, they were talking about how Patrick Stewart said no uniforms, no, sir, he has certain restrictions before he ever went and did this again. And the first two seasons were based off of his restrictions. And once he said, you know what, I think it's better that we go back to the Starfleet and the uh, uniforms and all that. Look what happened. It had his best season. But what do you think the influence of a possible Star Trek Picard could be on a Galaxy Quest? Maybe the influence there for some of the, the original actors returning, like the outstanding Tony Shalhoub, the outstanding and Academy Award winning, I believe, Sam Rockwell. He's obviously been nominated since. He's just done a great job. Then you also have Sigourney Weaver, Tim Allen, both still very active. I could see a scenario where it emulates and parodies Star Trek Picard. That's entirely possible. We could also see it parody um, Voyager, which I think would be interesting. That would be good for a bit of a laugh. But yeah, you know, the sky's the limit with a show like that. I, and again, I just hope that they do hold on to uh, that cheeky fun that they have uh, that they had in the original movie. Because, like I said, uh, you know, we, we've already got serious sci-fi. We we need uh, we need the sci-fi show that we can go to for a bit of a break from that. And then also as well, because you knew they were going to go ahead and hit up on it because we've seen everything from the Hunger Games to Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings being revived in the past few months, being announced is on the way. Your friend and mine, Twilight. Those movies which you knew were very successful was going to go ahead and <laughs> get approached again is being talked about as far as a TV series. Your thoughts on a greenlit series for Twilight? I mean, who are they writing this show for? I'm brooding are, right now. I'm brooding. I'm brooding. Is that what that is? That you look. I'm you, trying. You look. You look like you have gas. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> well, I mean, are they are they making the show for fans of the original Twilight stuff, or are they making a show for? Uh, a new generation of fans to come into the Twilight family. That's the big question that I have about it. If it is for the original fans of the movie, then it's going to be a more mature show. Um, I, I mean, mature in terms of what they can show on screen, perhaps not in terms of content, but um, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I think that, uh, yeah, it just depends on. Still brooding. 
who they're making that for. <laughs> Still brooding. Okay, well, again, they're not making it for me because I never liked the Twilight series. I actually yeah. had to sit through a couple of them. I, I didn't think they were great then. But again, they were beloved by millions of people. And, you know, what's old is new again because yep. Hollywood is never original with its stuff. And when it tries to go ahead and reach on the way back and find some fun stuff like we saw in season three of Picard and section 31 and some other stuff as far as the Star Trek stuff that's gone on, you got to go ahead and reach out into other successful IPs such as Harry Potter such as Lord of the Rings and such as Twilight. I'm telling you still, though, when the Fast and Furious movies are done, Universal can just not keep its hands off that property. They will have a TV series coming to Peacock I think, or another more movies or something. They just will not leave it alone. I bet you. I will bet you money. Uh, well, I mean, those are those are for the people who like not to a whole lot like... of money because I don't have a whole lot of money. But <laughs> right, got you. But no, I, I think that those movies are, are great for people who like to experience. Um, oh gosh, I just had it in my head, and it was really clever, and now it's gone again. Why? Um, it's basically an adrenaline adrenaline is junkie. The, is it in the same place as Fortnite? Like, yeah, it could be. Uh, it's like third times removed adrenaline is what I'm trying to get at. Okay. So I figured out a clever way to say that, and that's what was in my head. Uh, but, you know, three times removed Adrenaline Junkie. They're fun movies to watch. There's nothing really. You know that Dom is going to figure out a way to well, make everything happen. it would be happen. new characters. Within, yeah. You know, Vin Diesel's never going to do a you know, TV series like that. He's a, he's a movie actor. Maybe he'll do a series when he's older, but I don't think it would be leading into this. But you never know. But you know, oh, I you throw enough cash at him. There you exactly. Go. I would be surprised to see a guest appearance or two or three or, uh, you know, a few episodes uh, arc with him involved. I couldn't, I would see that easily. He is doing another Riddick, so you never know. But yeah. uh, your thoughts on another Twilight series heading back to Twilight and the vampires brooding all over the place. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And also let us know your thoughts on the Galaxy Quest as well. But my friend, I did go to National Association of Broadcasters this week. Uh, the convention was there. You and I went last year. Yes. Uh, they had a ton absolutely ton on the back end production wise there for everyone from video to audio to radio uh, i did speak to some of the people behind a local station 99 uh, 96.3 kklz i got a chance to meet with them and talked about some stuff with them which was great but overall the thing i did not see very much of was any attention to the realm of podcasting and after the height of the coronavirus, which brought everybody indoors and brought everybody to saying, hey, I can make my own podcast, we have seen a sharp decline in the number of podcasts that are actually being produced out there. It's still something that there's plenty of. I mean, if you are a fan of podcasts, there's still going to be a ton of things to find, including the great work that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it is not gone beyond us to see that the podcasting realm is not what it once was. And where just even last year, people were, we were going to seminars and meetings about how important the podcasting realm was going to be to the future of broadcasting. I come back this year and it seems like in a, I'm in a time warp. Outside of the 8K and some of the, the sharper things that they've done as far as making a better picture or making a better sound quality for the consumer, I still feel like I've been transformed back into NAB 2018 because of the fact it's just reliant on the same traditional things that are part of the broadcasting universe and not embracing the podcasting community like it was thought I was going to do. Your thoughts on this because it leads me to the conclusion that the podcasting boom might be over. Well, if the, I don't think that the boom may be over in terms of, you know, every person on your street having their own podcast, because as we know, people usually will put in six to 12 months 
with their podcast before they start to get kind of tired of doing it. And if they're not, if they haven't drawn millions of listeners, because that's the ultimate dream, right? You start a podcast and you just jive with audiences and you're, you know, got millions of streams and you're making thousands of dollars from endorsement deals and commercials and all of that kind of stuff, but. Or having it adapted into a TV series and a movie. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like none of that is really the reality for the, vast majority of people who get into podcasting. So um, I'm not surprised to see that some of those people who may have started during COVID uh, have decided to not continue with their podcast. And that's fine. That just makes a little bit more room for people who have always been here. But I think that it's a little incorrect to say that the broadcast world still doesn't have its eye on podcasting because the odd time now that I do go back and listen to radio, it doesn't take me long before I hear somebody mention, you can listen to more on iHeartRadio. It just comes to mind because I know they have a big podcast push on iHeartRadio. You can find a bunch of podcasts and stuff there. So that's why I'm using it. So I don't think that it's all doom and gloom in the realm of podcasting. Perhaps broadcasters are starting to take their focus off of it because I think that during COVID, because nobody was in their car driving to work, nobody was listening to, for example, morning radio. So morning radio would make their show, turn it into a podcast, repackage it and put it out into the world. And it would still get to those people uh, that may have traditionally have driven to work during COVID. Uh, I think that that's, perhaps what was driving a lot of podcasting during COVID. But now that that's over, that has started to relax again. And it doesn't feel as dire, I think, for traditional broadcasts. It's now just another thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's just something else on the plate that your morning guy has to deal with or that a producer has to deal with. And, you know, if your attention can be better spent on something that's happening over the airwaves, then that's probably where your focus should go. But uh, you know, I don't think that the podcasting boom is or the importance of podcasting is over for traditional media. I think that they still recognize it and they still see it. But I don't think that it's uh, now a part of any kind of like three prong approach that they have or, or anything like that. Any kind of buzzwords. OK, uh, again, I just what I saw on the floor podcasting was just persona non grata they were talking about recording for broadcasting 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 and i heard very little or saw very little of podcasting 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 it's just it leaves you kind of concerned as a podcaster yeah don't let it concern you at all because you know what's still happening in in broadcast radio in broadcasting uh, media in general mass layoffs thousands of people at a time so the idea that nobody from radio is ever going to come in and and try to do a podcast again is absolutely obtuse that's not the way that it's going to go as you know traditional media companies continue to just hemorrhage good people they're going to land somewhere either with a competitor or with a completely separate media that's going to eventually come to head And uh, I think that there is still going to be a showdown between the popularity of podcasts and what traditional radio and traditional media is able to do. We'll see what happens. I agree with you, Melinda, that podcasting is not dead or dying or on its lifeline, but it is no longer, it's no longer the hot thing, I will say now in the broadcasting industry, especially what I saw based off of NAB 2023, but it is still very much a part of the world of broadcasting. And as long as people are still enjoying it in large numbers, you'll still find us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos indeed. So what are your thoughts out there on the podcasting boom? Is it over? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. You knocked it out of the park as always for a home run. You're rounding the bases now. Any last thoughts before you hit home plate? Yeah, this Sunday, uh, we are back into VASIN, uh, so we're excited for that. Um, and then this coming Monday, what do I have on the tab? Oh, I've got uh, the girls in Halifax are back at it this coming Monday. Um, it's a showdown with the hag, for sure, coming up. And yeah, no, we're just having a lot of fun getting season three ready to go for Vampires and Vitae. I'm not allowed to say too much about it yet, but we are going to be, it, the, it is going to be taking place during a pretty significant piece of American history. I will put it that way. 
check out the great work of Melinda Barkhouse Ross with Vampires and Vitae. Of course, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, Wizards and Wine, both the Las Vegas and Halifax tables, and of course, everything she does for us here with Basin, a new adventure. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.